Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm your host, Scott Dillingham. The goal of the show is to show you how you can grow personally, financially, have a larger net worth, and leverage your largest asset to help you develop the person you want to be. I take you through all the steps I did from being nothing to being told that I was nobody and I was never going to accomplish anything, from getting kicked out of high school to owning a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio in my own company with more than 20 employees. You'll meet our partners, you'll meet our friends, you'll quickly discover how you can improve your life. So listen in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm your host, Scott Dillingham. Today, I'll be passing the mic over to Michael Citron, who's one of our mortgage agents, and he brought two of his investor-focused realtors on board to chat today. Enjoy the show. All right. Hey, guys, this is Michael Citron from the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm joined today from the Wind Social Real Estate team. Milena Simsic and Clark Galley are here with me. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for having us, Mike. Yeah, of, of course. So let's start out. You just started your own real estate team during basically a housing crash. How's it going so far? Good for you. You must have guts. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's going well. I got a Clark on my team and Gary as well. And they taught me almost everything I know about like being a realtor. So it's really cool to, to be working together. And uh, we're close friends too. So it uh, like we mesh really well together. Clark's the one like really killing it right now in terms of the, the sales at the moment. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going okay. Definitely not as big a boom as February and March. Like you could throw a rock down the street and sell right. a house. But yeah, now it's a little bit harder, but it's something like every real estate team is going to have to go through eventually in the long term. So it's good. We started on a, a rough patch. Now we can handle anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you guys are going to do great. Oh, you guys are doing great right now during this slow time. So it's only going to pick up once it does come back up and I feel like you guys are really going to kill it and be one of the top teams in the city soon. You know? Thank you. You got some great people on your team. So I think it's going to be great. Thank you. This guy right here. Yeah, this one. Literally, he takes all the credit and <laughs> I don't know, rightfully, I don't want to give him like too much of an ego boost, but he's he's pretty good. Like he's killing it. But yeah, he's pretty good. He, he yeah. knows a thing or two about real estate. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little. And like, I think like, like obviously the biggest, because uh, obviously our team is fairly new. Like I was on another team before you joined your team and it came to Melina's team. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I was thinking about or the biggest quote that kind of stuck with me is like, what worked to get you here is not going to work to get you there. So like my past two years and everybody's past two years as a realtor, as a mortgage agent, like you had it pretty easy. Like you just got a lot of leads, made a lot of money for the past two years. But then now the next two years is going to be completely different. Whatever you did is not going to work and you really have to change it up. Look at your whole business, look at your leads, look how you deal deals, like sell properties and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think creating a new team in this environment is almost better because you don't have any experience for the easy times. You only have experience in the hard times. So now we're starting in the hard times. And if it works in the hard times, it's going to work when it gets the good times again. Absolutely. I think that's like the biggest, the biggest thing for me, at least for creating this. And for me, I'm more on like the social media side of things. Like back in February, March, my content was like super focused on getting sellers. And now it's like completely shifted to where we want to get those buyers in right now. Yeah. <laughs> like listings are coming pretty easy. I, I had a couple listing appointments today. So that was uh, like not a thing back in February, right. March. Um, yeah, like he said, like adapting to this new market, you definitely uh, like buyers are king right now yeah, in winter Ontario. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even on the mortgage side, like the refinance business is basically non-existent right now. So it's just like getting those buyers in, getting them pre-approved. 
so that you guys can get more buyers out there too. It's, uh, yeah, the whole market has pivoted, so we have to pivot our businesses as well. Even on that, I remember uh, in like February, like it's probably like early, earlier this year, like late last year, I remember talking to you and like other organizations I talked to, and I was just so curious. I'm like, can you tell me this month what percentage of your business was refis or new clients? And the number of refis tiptoed into more than half these organizations' business. Yeah. And like that blew my mind. I was like, holy crap, like their business is doing refis, not buying new homes right now. Yeah. I mean, it was basically free money, right? Because interest yeah. rates were so low. Yeah. Who's not going to refinance and pull that money out, right? Yeah. It was just crazy. That was like the majority of your business. It right. was just like, it was like whole changing landscape. And now, I don't know, you probably still do a few refis, but I imagine like not even close to the amount you were doing before. Once in a while, like we still do refinances, but it's more like not for just like pulling money out. It's more like people are in bad situations. They got to pay off like taxes and stuff. Mm. They have like creditors coming after them. So it's more like distressed people that need to refinance and get that money out right now. I had a, a few clients that uh, I they didn't buy with me back then, but they bought in February, March, and they're like negative cash flowing sometimes like in the thousands. So it's uh, it's quite crazy what's going on. And yeah, they're looking like refinancing to try to like hold out the storm right now. Because if they were to sell compared to March, February for those larger buildings, they would lose mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars, even for the single family homes. Like you could lose a couple hundred grand easy selling from February to now. So, uh, yeah, I've definitely noticed like some of our clients getting a lot of refis instead of listing their properties, which uh, sometimes that is the best course of action. Yeah, well, I feel like like we'll probably get into it later on in the in, in the show here, but there is a major discrepancy between like sellers and buyers right now. And the biggest thing is, like, oh, like, why aren't sellers coming down? Why aren't they coming down to you know, match today's market? But like you said, like every single seller would rather refi, lose a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a month right. rather than lose 80 grand at once. They would rather prolong that hurt. That's a very, very small hurt than take like a massive loss like on one day. So I think that's, we'll probably get into the standoff between buyers and sellers, but like that, imagine like that is happening and actively happening right now. You know what? I was thinking about this earlier today. So the stats for Windsor, Ontario came out today, right? For like the average price. So we actually went up a little bit. We're at 543. So yeah, we've been going up the past couple months. And I was looking at the ratio between uh, sales and listings. And back in like July, uh, like the discrepancy was like 30% sales compared to the number of listings. So we were like at 1500 and the sales was like at 400 or something like that. And right now, like the number of listings we're at is like 650 and the sales are in the 300. So we're around 50% right now. So half of the listings on market are selling the past month. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting to see. So like what happened to all of those listings back then in July that didn't sell? They just pulled off the market and they're likely refinancing and just riding out the storm. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's interesting to see because there's a, a lot of buyers expecting everyone to get extremely desperate and sell at a 200K loss. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I, I'm not seeing it happening often, especially like with the listing appointments I've been at. I recommend mm -hmm. refinancing and riding out the storm. And then you know, if you want to sell a little bit later when the market rebounds, but just ride it out for now instead of taking the 200K loss. So, but yeah, it's that's just something I noticed this morning. I was thinking about that. Yeah, no, and like you brought up a, a good point too. Like people are just kind of waiting for the terms like blood in the streets where like people like have to sell or they're going to go bankrupt. Uh, like one of my clients, he's like a big private equity guy. He deals with like, I don't know, $100 million companies that he his team will like acquire. Um, and right now for the past six months, they've just been sitting there like collecting their cash 
and literally have a hit list of like 15 to 30 companies that like, okay, these companies like are pretty good, but they're like bleeding a little bit dry. Um, as soon as they can't pay their debt, then we'll go target these companies. Like the big private equity firms are waiting for blood in the streets. Real estate investors are waiting for blood on the streets, but it just hasn't happened. I imagine everyone is waiting for it. It might happen. It might not. But yeah, like they're waiting for that. And that just hasn't happened yet. I wonder like how long it would take for the bl like blood to be in the streets. Like how much more of a hike? Like, I guess that's the big question. That's right, what everyone yeah. wants to know. Yeah, I think we'll see yeah. it in 2023 probably. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the next rate hike uh, December 7th. We'll see how big of a rate hike that's going to go up. And I think that's going to be a good in indication of what's to come in 2023 for sure. But yeah, we had the 0.5% last month. People were expecting 0.75 closer to the date, but I, I, know, yeah. I remember like right after the September one, people were saying, oh, it's going to be very minor, like 0.25 or maybe nothing. And then we went up to the 0.5, like the closer we got to the date, the like the higher the number started to go. So that, at least that's what I've been noticing in the news and keeping track of that. But yeah. One thing that I've noticed on the mortgage side since that rate hike is like, there's a little bit more like optimism in the air behind real estate and people are like oh it's not as big as we thought maybe it's going to come back around so i'm starting to see more people being like okay you you know what we're ready to get back in the market and maybe go look around for a house so hopefully it continues and 2023 isn't too bad and the market starts to come back around i think that the the house prices coming up like a tiny bit is uh really good for the market in windsor i don't know how you guys feel about that but for me i'm excited about it yeah i think like I don't know, obviously deal with like primary, primarily investors, probably like 80, 90% of my business is investors. Um, and it is, their transactions are very, very minimal. Um, I forget the exact day, it might've been like a week or two weeks ago, but I pulled data for five unit plus on market sales. And it was like two properties the past 140, 150 days, something like that. And the duplexes for the past 90 days, it was like, I don't know, like six or seven sales. Like it was like, yeah. compared to like 30, 60, like it was like probably 20% of what it was like earlier this year when you pull that same kind of data set at the same time frame. Yeah. Um, so investors are not there, but end users that have to buy and sell properties, they're still there. Yeah. So those are the transactions that are still happening. Um, the investors are definitely taking, taking a backseat. So I think that's probably a majority of the transactions are just, just those guys right now. Yeah. It's crazy to see too, because there's so much cash on some of the properties are sitting on the market for a while right now. I'm like, why aren't these getting scooped up? Yeah. Like, some of these properties you can cash for like a thousand bucks like a month almost where before like properties were barely even cash flowing and they're getting like 20 offers on them it's crazy i'm surprised a lot of investors are actually taking that back see i think they they are going to come back they're just really waiting until we hit like rock bottom and it's funny too because i saw this other quote where it's like if everyone is waiting for blood in the streets is that the good time when everyone jumps back into the market and then there's like 50 100 buyers that just have like a million dollars in their pockets like ready to buy this stuff is that actually the good time it's hard to, then like, that's when all the buyers are going to be there so it's yeah to, yeah it's a weird it's personally weird i think right now is like a really good time to get in because right. when everybody like does see that time they're like okay yeah let's buy now let's buy now it's going to be hard to get your offer accepted you know? yeah. it's going to be like 200k over asking all over again and the market's going to go way back up which is good but it's also bad if you're wanting to get into the market and you're like a first-time home buyer that wants to get like a duplex or a triplex you know, mm -hmm. um, house hack but yeah, I think it's going to be crazy to see what happens when all those people with the money on the sidelines jump back in. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good time if the seller is reasonable. And yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's hard. It, like there are a lot of unreasonable sellers in the market right now. Like I've noticed, like there's still been 
Not as much as before. Like summer, I feel like that was the worst time where we had like the 1500 listings, but they were still expecting like February, March prices. And right now, like people are starting to come around, but you still have quite a bit of those listings that are waiting for those March prices. But uh, yeah, it's right now I am definitely noticing a lot of people are waiting for blood in the streets. So I think right now is a really good opportunity to buy it. And I always say if the numbers make sense and you're cash flowing and, you know, you want to hold it long term, it's hard to go wrong there. Uh, I like I, I recently got I don't know if you saw this one, like a duplex uh, it was like it was near Ford City. It was like in the developing part of it. A turnkey duplex, 96. She put 5% down and she was able to cash flow on a turnkey with 5% down like recently. Like I think that was last mm-hmm. month. And that's that was like impossible to find in yeah. February, March to cash flow on a turnkey. Um, yeah, definitely opportunities in the market right now. Yeah, like I'm almost a little envious. I wish I had money to be buying houses right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm working on my flipping stuff. I got to sell that. But you know, if the market's still down when that's sold, may, maybe I'll jump back in. But yeah, like, mm-hmm. I'm jealous of the people that are out there shopping right now for houses. Yeah. I, yeah, I felt the, they're getting deals. I felt the exact same. Earlier this year, I just pulled a couple few triggers. I was like, oh, if I didn't pull one of those, like I, it would have been great. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, you set yourself up for the long term. Thinking like that, it was fine. But uh, yeah, a bit more cash. But that's the problem. Nobody, there's either like crazy rich people have a bunch of cash or people that are bleeding every single month. It's like very hard to find that in between right now. Yeah. So with most of the investors that you work with, like I know that you do tiny homes, like for most of your investments, are you looking for houses specifically that like you can build a tiny home on? Is that what most of your clients are looking for right now to get the extra return on investment? Um, I'm going to say it depends on the investor. There's a few that I work with where they go after the double lot play. Right. Like probably one of my best clients, he's probably bought six tiny homes off me. We were just about to sign him up for a seventh. Um, he will go after the property that has a double lot. You buy, you know, that double lot. You sell the existing home or refinance the existing home, get the land basically free, and then you can uh, go get money to build the tiny home products on there. Uh, the three units in Windsor were pretty lax with that <laughs> to have those right. rules. It's amazing Windsor has that. Um, so he goes and builds those three units on the vacant lot, uh, refinance it afterwards. So that's probably like the active investors looking for tiny homes have that. Um, it's either that category people. The second category would be the people that already have the existing homes or it's already paid off relatively well. Then they'll build the second one kind of in the back. Uh, or the third one is they just build it for their, like like if they build it, like we have two clients where they want to build it for their grandmas because they don't want to send them to like retirement home and pay, I don't know, like three, four grand a month, like some of these retirement homes. Like it's yeah, it's absolutely insane. absurd. Like some of them can go up to like six, 8,000. It's, it's crazy. It's absurd. So if you have the space for it and you can build a tiny home in the back, you can actually build equity, pay for on-site care and have them in the back cheaper than it would be to go to that facility. Mm-hmm. And they're in your backyard. So that's probably, yeah, the three kind of customer bases that, that we work with. Um, the biggest thing as well with that as well, I'm not sure if you guys saw the Ford announcement, the like proposal Huge for announcement. Yeah. crazy, like probably the craziest <laughs> announcement like in my career so far. Um, just like absolutely wiping all red tape for municipalities and saying that any residential lot can be up to a triplex, which Windsor has already, but it's going to be announced throughout Ontario. Uh, absolutely just like, yeah, killing development fees, uh, doing the in-law suites, garden suites, um, no parking requirements, no size requirements. If that thing gets announced, like I think garden suites are just going to explode throughout Ontario. Uh, but it's a proposal, but that's, yeah, just another kind of crazy to show where the world is going. It's probably towards that kind of stuff. Okay. So let's dive into some detail on that proposal that Ford announced. So you can build up to three units 
on each lot if it's zoned residential. Yep. And then you can put how many ADUs on top of those three units. Can it be more than that? Or The current proposal, uh, Windsor already has these bylaws, actually. For some reason, Windsor and Amherstburg, uh, Toronto and Vancouver were one of like the few municipalities in all of Canada to actually have garden suite bylaws. I don't know why Windsor and Amherstburg made the cut, but they were. That's so weird because we have a really small population compared I know. to I, it's, everywhere else. It's like the most progressive policy for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but like they, uh, So yeah, Windsor had the bylaws where you could have the single family home, in-law suite in the basement, and then an in-law suite in the back. So that's like what it's classified as, and Windsor had Windsor just had those bylaws. So those bylaws are going to be allowed Ontario-wide, is what he's allowing for. Uh, Windsor still has pretty annoying bylaws where there has to be a certain amount of parking spaces if you're actually going to do these. Um, there has to be certain size restrictions if you're going to do them, like certain percent of law coverage. Killing those two things, I think, is going to be huge because now you can do like three bedrooms in the back. Um, you can do like, two stories in the back, no parking requirements whatsoever. I think that's what's going to allow cuts myself because it's like to build um like a one bedroom house and to build a two bedroom house like a bit more flooring and drywall like it's not that much more money to expand the house as opposed it is to like do the foundation do the roof get the permits so if you can build bigger and not have parking restrictions i think that's what's going to allow bigger homes get built a lot right for that's sure. the biggest thing that's coming out in my opinion okay so let's say that ford's proposal goes through what do you think is going to happen to the housing market and also the rental market with rents and everything yeah yeah so i mean i think that like obviously when this announcement gets announced like there's going to be an oversupply or not an oversupply just more supply of units coming up because every single family home can now legally split into three units so let's say a subdivision 50 homes that could hypothetically go to like 150 i don't think that's going to happen but just uh, that's what could happen so obviously more supply there's more options that renters get to choose from and when they have more options you got to decrease the prices to actually get yours chosen um, right. that's what i would think would yeah. probably happen. I think, yeah, more supply, lower rents, which would be ideal. But then Ontario has the super strict rent laws. And the, like you said before, there was there's like 100 other factors that'll yeah. go into play here. So with yeah. stricter rent laws, rents typically tend to go up because there's more risk for investors. And then uh, we do have a lot of immigrants coming into Ontario specifically. And if we're talking about just Windsor, Ontario, we have thousands of people coming here for jobs because of development. We have the bridge here. We have... Uh, the Stellantis plant, that's a couple, at least a couple thousand jobs. There's right. Mega hospital. Um, yeah, it, it's like, again, a hundred other factors and it depends like how fast people can build and all of that. But um, yeah, hopefully there's more supply because we definitely do need more supply. Yeah, yeah it's going to be crazy in Windsor. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the other uh, quick factor, actually, I just found this out. Uh, property manager called me up and told me about it was, uh, I don't want to misquote it, but it was, Basically, when you have new build apartments, anything I think is 2018 or 2019 or newer, mm -hmm. they're not subject to the same rent controls that oh, all the other properties are. You're right. Yeah. So oh, any, shoot. anytime it's a new build tiny home that actually goes under the new build construction, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the single family home getting converted. It's actually a different, different bylaw. Wait, there. The, I thought the basement ADUs as well. If you add on a new unit, they're not subject to that as well. I've read, I'm like 95 I don't know about that. I do know yeah. it's new development or new construction because you call me up and said hey those tiny homes specifically account for that um, the in-law suite i'm not 100 sure about in the basement yeah I, I searched it up a few months ago like i was building that one and i was doing mm -hmm. the annoying parking space for that that was yeah inconvenient but mm -hmm. yeah so uh yeah i searched it up and from what i remember there is no rent control on basement units as well so 
But anyways, like the point of it is like no rent control, lower rents. Uh, if there's less strict laws on new supply here, then uh, I mean, it would be beneficial for tenants for the rents to go a little bit lower. And also yep. like it's a win-win like for investors as well. You don't have, you know, as much strict reg- regulation there and that right. the tenants get more supply, better quality housing. Yeah. I know that's a controversial topic, but <laughs> I mean, it just look at California. You know? So it's, yeah, it's just shown time and time again, the stricter the rent controls are, the worse quality for tenants. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to see. That is interesting. So like, let's say I have a home that's built in like the 1950s. I convert the basement into an in-law suite. Legal. Didn't rent it out till after 2018. It's not under those rent control guidelines. I can raise the rent as much as I want. I have or... to double check it, but I'm like 90% sure it's not. I was I was building that like a few months back and read that. So it shouldn't be subject to rent control if you're adding on a new unit mm-hmm. to an existing. Interesting. Yeah. So that, that it, it's a good project to go into. I think that was like one of the reasons I chose to do the basement. But um, I ended up converting that to an Airbnb because that's, that's another interesting thing in Windsor. Um, but yeah, sorry to change. No, no. <laughs> Let's actually talk about Airbnb for a minute. So Airbnb, I'm hearing, is kind of, it's like almost like really saturated right now. So I'm seeing a lot of hosts are having trouble with vacancies and everything right now. There's just, they're not getting any bookings because like everybody went out and got an Airbnb like the last like five, eight years. At least the stats I was looking at, Windsor has the highest occupancy rate in all of Ontario at the moment at 67% for Airbnbs. There's a lot of people coming here for employment. So there there are a lot of people looking to, to work here and cross right. borders. Windsor Airbnb is actually getting more popular, but... Um, there was a bylaw that passed in August where they don't allow Airbnb except in your own personal residence. So the one I'm doing is in my personal residence. Uh, so that is going to decrease supply even more for Airbnb. So it's a good thing to go into um, if it's in your personal residence, but it's risky if it's not and you're you're renting it out as an investment property. Right. The city doesn't have, uh, how do you say, enforcement for it yet. Yeah, yeah, the laws. They need there. to figure that out because yeah, exactly. there's still a lot of people that definitely do it that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think occupancy will go higher with like, like the more and more people coming into Windsor in the next couple of years for short term work. For and sure. The supply going lower. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. pretty sure they just cut the market in like half, if not more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. I know there's like a lot of people that have gone out and like put a lot of money and effort into Airbnbs and now it's just like, they're coming and being like, nope, sorry, you can't do this anymore. Though. Right, exactly. I think yeah. there's like a third, I didn't read too much into it or I can't remember, but there's like a 30-day rule or something. I'm sure there's some sort of loophole where you can still do a short-term rental, but it can't be under 30 days. Like it okay. has to be multiple. Yeah, days. yeah. I don't want to name names, but I know someone's like really in the city, really trying hard to figure the loopholes out for that. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> name any names. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely happening. Yeah. Uh, my other kind of hot take for Airbnbs uh, is that I think... A lot of people, for just like a regular Airbnb, it's kind of annoying now. Like the cleaning fees, like how much stuff you actually have to like take care of the unit itself. Uh, that people are like really going back to be like, oh, like a hotel is like the same price, if not cheaper than sometimes an Airbnb. Um, sometimes hotel is actually worth it. I think yeah. Airbnbs really thrive when you have like a really unique product. Um, like this guy out in the States who is crazy, his business model with Airbnbs, basically he buys 
10, 15, 20 acre pieces of land, buys like mansions on them um, and Airbnbs specifically to like huge like corporate events. So we have like a baseball field there for like, bringing like a baseball team by and he'll charge like a couple hundred grand for a couple days. But he can because he's like literally the only person that has that kind of specific product. I think like, if you're going, Airbnb is more of an experience, like cottages, that kind of like really nice penthouses, like stuff you can't experience other than the specific Airbnb unit. I think those will kill it no matter what the regulations come out. Um, but yeah, the average kind of stuff, I think they have, I think they have competition. Another, uh, another interesting form of, and like I recently found this out after doing like a few video and photo shoots is that there's a demand in Windsor for like photo shoot locations and people will rent out spaces. I forget what this platform's called, but they'll rent it out like Airbnb, but for three to four hours and they can charge like a thousand bucks for those three to four hours in a nice location. At, whereas if you were to rent that same place out on Airbnb, it would go like 500 a night or something like that. Right. So you imagine getting like multiple photo shoots in a day and mm-hmm. you make your whole <laughs> like Airbnb. Yeah. Two yeah. Weeks of Airbnb, yeah. Yeah, I think that just goes like uniqueness. Like you have to like really stand or have a unique yeah. product. Um, then you're just gonna stand the like test of time. Yeah, yeah, I've been seeing that. Yeah, because hotels have been kind of fighting back with Air- Airbnb too. They're like, hey, like we have to compete with these people. Do staying in like more unique places, so let's make our hotels unique and people want to stay here. Plus, the Airbnb fee sometimes that host charge is like crazy. Two hundred dollar cleaning fee. I have to clean up, and then you're charging me a two hundred dollar fee. It's kind of like man. So. That goes in the pocket of the investor too. Uh, the Airbnb host only pays the three percent per the whole thing, but they keep the it, the cleaning fees not included. In it. Right. So it could be pretty lucrative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It can be inconvenient to guess sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like me and some family, we stayed in an Airbnb in Blue Mountain like six years ago. We scrubbed that place down for like three or four hours oh <laughs> before we left. And then the host texted me. Was like. You left the garbage by the front door and stuff. We tried to find like the garbage outside. We we couldn't find it. So we're like, okay, let's leave it here. And she had a problem with that. I was like, I paid you a two hundred dollar cleaning fee. Yeah. I'm sorry, I couldn't find the garbage. Just take it to the garbage. Yeah, I paid two hundred bucks for this, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's horrible. Yeah, I think people are just starting to catch on to that. Like, yeah, yeah, like, this is annoying. Like, why why are we doing that? But- yeah, yeah, I do think that that's where Airbnb is going to thrive. Those with the uniqueness and also the experiences that they can like package with those too, because they're mm-hmm. into that whole experience side of things too, which is cool. Yeah. One final thing I thought would be good to hear both you guys talks about is uh, just kind of like how people are doing like social media in the next like six year, year and a half. Cause obviously drum line team, she's killing it. Like obviously <laughs> you're, you're starting some stuff. Um, yeah. It's like, what is your guys take on, you know, real estate, social media in the next uh, for your guys career kind of moving forward? Yeah, yeah, like, I'm no expert. I do. I'm not good on social media. <laughs> um, maybe me, Lena, can give me some tips or something later. Yeah, but, uh, probably. probably. Yeah, yeah sure. I definitely got to get on that TikTok grind and get more leads from, especially now during the downtime. I do want to focus more on social media just to get some business out of it. Yeah, like, I, I really just post on, like, Instagram and that's it. I, Inst- I'm not good with social media. Instagram is, like, the best conversion I found for clients. TikTok is, like, a wide net that catches people onto Instagram. But like, um, t- to go back to your question about, um, like, where I'm, like, we're going. Did you say six years or six months? Six, six months and then a year. Okay, a year. Okay. I know he wants to know this personally because he's on my team. He's like, what are you going to do with me? Let's put it on the public. Let's, let's <laughs> but, yeah. If anybody's looking to get into social media, like I always give him this tip, like TikTok, 
great net to catch people, but you need to nurture people on Instagram, YouTube, and then get funnels in those areas to catch those leads. So I, I gave you like a lead yesterday from Instagram pretty good lead. I get those leads either from my Instagram messages or they sign up for something like a newsletter. I have multiple resources on my stuff. I have the Windsor Price Guide newsletter that's coming out tomorrow. It's free for anyone who signs up. I have a real estate calculator and then a couple others I can't even remember, but um, that's uh, it. That's like where I'm going with it. So like right now I'm focusing more on YouTube because people like that in-depth detail. Right. Uh, so the TikTok is doing okay. I'm catching people there and then they check out those other platforms. So YouTube is a big focus for me. Instagram's a big focus. Like for real estate, if you want clients, those two I think are the best. Uh, TikTok, if you want to get popular really quick, that's great. And that's where I started when everybody else thought it was stupid and they thought I was dancing on it or something but people want still do. Like, yeah. I still do I make him dance on him <laughs> we haven't posted it yet we haven't we posted haven't it yet. yet I can't wait to see it. I you I can you, everybody can wait Gary's like killing to see that one but yeah we're um, right. yeah TikTok's a great net and uh, a lot of businesses still haven't caught on to it so uh, definitely a train you want to jump on there but uh, yeah next six months definitely huge focus on, on YouTube and Instagram for mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. It's like the TikTok's like the funnel and then you get it to yeah, like Instagram, YouTube, and then you get the emails and connections from there and pull it out to make deals. Exactly. That's kind of, yeah, yeah. For, for some pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been working on the past eight months. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of collabs too. I've noticed yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> they they tend, they come to you naturally, like like this one here. I, yeah, like, this is literally a collab. Yeah. It's just people start, like word starts to go around and then you start getting invited to things like like the Andrew Hines one, like I've been on that one and I'm sure you'll be on that one soon too. Like you would be getting interested. There. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the collabs help a lot. They do. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you get to meet like so many good people there. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. Clark, when are you going to make your TikTok? Yeah. God, this one part of Malay's team, so I don't have to do that stuff. I love doing the deals. That's we, just let me do the deals. one TikTok video and he won't let me post it. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna get on it soon. Yeah, okay. yeah come on, we gotta we'll, post it. We'll film a couple more, and like from those, we'll pick them. Okay, we'll just... get comfortable. We'll ease it. <laughs> the first one, my dancing is just not. I gotta like, train a little bit more for that. He was like, <laughs> okay, we don't have to reenact. We don't have to. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. What, what were we talking about? TikTok. Social media. <laughs> Social media. Like okay. Six months to a year. Yeah, yeah. No, I think like obviously I see the value of it, and I see the power. Obviously, being with the DT team, like that just blew up. He was probably the, like in his prime, I think he was like the best social media agent, like in Windsor, like hands on. I do think that just like, yeah, the amount he was of, really big on YouTube. The amount of leads that guy pulled in those two years off social media, like brand new leads, probably like the highest in Windsor. Like I generally think that. Um, so I think that is where a lot of power is obviously driven by. Like, that's where a lot of leads are. Um, I myself, I love doing deals. Like I just don't love creating content. Like <laughs> I just don't like doing it. Um, so obviously I got to, join a team for myself kind of join a team that obviously makes up for that a lot where i lack it um but uh, yeah yeah i see the value of it i just haven't pushed myself to do it yet that's why i said like he's like killing the deals and i'm like i'm bringing in the leads and like getting it to them over here so that's it's a good like little little trio we have right now i know uh gary he's working on a listing right now and <laughs> the listing was my number one tiktok fan 
she follows absolutely everything I do. Like she would go on every single one of my lives and she like not even talk to Gary. Like she has to talk. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, where's Malena? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to get into social media. Like that's where everything's heading. People right. are still like stuck on billboards and bus benches. You're not like, you cannot get leads from that. I'm so curious because I see them all over. Are those billboards actually getting any call-ins? No. I don't think so. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, and it costs so much money. It's... I think it's good brand awareness. Yeah. If you see that, fi- like, Goran Todorovic, like, everyone just knows who he is in the city. Uh, after seeing his face, like, 55, fuck, I don't think I swear, but like, after, like, seeing it like, 55 <laughs> times in the city, like, you just naturally just know who he is and know who his name is. Like, I think yeah. that's powerful. Everybody um, knows who he is. Yeah. But getting a couple of billboards here and there, I don't think that. What he does, I do think there's some respect to that, but elsewise, right. I, don't, I don't see it. So, like, in uh, in other words, like, it works if you go big. If you're just doing, like, one or two, like, probably not going to work. Yeah. But if you can really have your face everywhere, it's just, it's going to get in your head over time. Go, go on. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure my mom doesn't care about real estate at all and probably knows who she is. Or knows who he is. Like, it's right. it's just that, that, that power. With social media, uh, th- there's, like, a rule. If they see your face, I think it's seven times or something, they'll remember you when they think mm-hmm. of real estate. So, like, Instagram stories, super good for that. People are always stuck on their phones all the time. So for the old, like the older audience, I'm on Facebook as well. So everything from my Instagram goes on my Facebook stories. So they're constantly looking at me. And like I've had people that are connected with my Instagram and Facebook be like, hey, I'm selling a home. I thought of you immediately because they would just naturally go on my stories and see I'm doing real estate related stuff. So every single day they're seeing my story. So it's yeah, you're right. Like the the. The billboards and the bus benches, those create brand awareness. If he gets in your head seven times, you're going to think of him as a real estate agent. But the thing is, people are like this now all the time. They're not looking at the billboards, maybe when they're driving. But then once we get the Teslas that are self-driving, they're going to be like this. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, yeah, I think it's heading in that direction. But right now, yeah, great for brand awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, he has the money for it, right? He can pay for it and toss it up there, whereas starting out or like yourself instagram pumping content out for free yeah exactly you can still hit that seven by doing right that. exactly i i don't got the money like 30k billboards yet but yeah, yeah you do it for tesla but not that yeah, yeah. I, I got the money for the tesla not the billboard yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah awesome awesome cool we can do a shout out you want to give a shout out to the shout out to the team oh yeah i forgot we had a team yeah so <laughs> can i do it to the camera yeah sure okay yeah so thanks for, for having us on this is Elena Simsek and Clark Galley from the Win Social Realty team. If you need any help in your buying and selling needs, feel free uh, to visit us. My Instagram is at Melina Simsek. Just search my name. You'll find our team and everything. Uh, yeah, Clark and I are super good with investors. We also do single family homes. So you need anything in the winter market, uh, we're your experts here. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, thank guys. You. Really appreciate it. <laughs> cool. Thanks for coming on. If you're serious about real estate investing and you want to take it to the next level with the least amount of time and mistakes, then you're going to want to sign up for our Real Estate Investor Hub. Visit CanadianRealEstateNetwork.com and hit the blue button or banner that says Free Investor Resources. Inside, you'll have access to real estate investing courses, networking opportunities, webinars featuring industry professionals as well as dedicated chat channels to share and get access to unique properties. I look forward to seeing you there.